Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Have you heard the news? The best podcast for dinosaur fans is out and a roaring good time for all. What happens when a bolt of lightning hits a digger machine on top of a site that's full of dinosaur fossils? Uh, the digger turns into Digger Rex, of course. Join Digger Rex, the half-dinosaur, half-digger, on his adventures by searching for Digger Rex on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most, and caretaker of those peculiar and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is the first episode of my Chilling Tales series. We'll explore the weird, the scary, and everything in between. So get ready to explore, Story Club members. This wandering chilling tale in a dizzying maze of corn is one that I call Field of Screams. Gary and Sean couldn't wait to attend the corn maze on Halloween. It was the last night of October when the company hosting the event would pull out all the stops. They not only had a big drawn out corn maze you'd have to navigate in the middle of the night, but also massed hordes of scarers that would roam through the green rows that were ready to jump out and yell or follow you, silently menacing close to your heels. Some would even chase you around with a fake chainsaw, which was loud, Most people tried to avoid the scarers, but Gary and Sean lived for it. Just like in summer when the fair came to town and they would ride all the scariest rides that would dip, turn, and spill. The scarier, the better. They laughed in the face of fear and egged each other on. The corn maze advertised the super scary Field of Screams event, which was supposed to be their best one yet. More ghosts, goblins, and maniacs with chainsaws. Every year there were haunted houses, which were all right, But part of the fun was getting lost in the corn maze and trying to find your way out. Sometimes Gary and Sean would get into an argument about which way to go. And sometimes they'd have to cheat and bring up a snapshot of the maze and try to orient their way. That was tricky though, because the light from the phone would often draw the roaring of chainsaws and you'd have to run. This year, the corn maze was made into one of its most complex geometric patterns yet. There were plenty of blind alleys and roads to nowhere inside. Gary said they weren't going to cheat and use a snapshot. Nope, this year they were going to play it straight, even if it took them all night to get out. Gary's mom dropped them off in the middle of the grassy lot. She said she'd be back for them at midnight. She didn't like scary things and was going to a Halloween party with friends. Gary knew what that meant. A lame gathering of adults talking about boring things like work and what they were streaming on Netflix. Forget that. It was Halloween and time to stalk under the stars. Except the stars weren't out tonight. It was cloudy and dark. This year, Gary and Sean armed themselves with pea shooters. You weren't supposed to have them going into the corn maze, but they thought it might be fun to shoot some dried peas at their masked assailants. Why not? It's Halloween the finest night of the year for mischief. Hey, did you see that? Sean said. 
What? Gary asked. It was like a shooting star. It zipped down and vanished behind the cord. No, sorry. Sean shrugged. Oh well. It was an amazing once-in-a-lifetime sight. After paying the $10 fee each, Sean and Gary pushed through the rows of corn. They wore dark clothes and hoodies, keeping their pockets full of dried peas and their tiny blowguns. They branched off from the usual crowds of giggling girls, blech, and their dumb boyfriends. Somewhere in the distance was the whine of a chainsaw and the screams of victims being chased, the scent of burnt gasoline from the smoke. Gary and Sean pulled out their blowguns and each loaded them with a hardened pea. When a scarer with the mask of a popular movie slasher jumped out, they would peg him or her in the face and then run. They'd show them. Almost on cue, a ghost-faced scarer jumped out. He didn't say a word. He only stalked toward them. Fire! Gary yelled. They unloaded their peas at their masked assailant. Hey! A muffled voice said. They ran. But they heard the monster on a two-way radio. I've got two in the maze with pea shooters. When you find them, escort them out. Another scarer, this one wearing a flannel shirt, bib overalls, and a creepy scarecrow mask came after them. They didn't have time to reload their pea shooters, so they ran. They were faster than the pudgy scarecrow, who huffed and puffed to keep up. In fact, they ran so hard, they didn't know where they were now in the maze. Pull out your phone, Gary said. Let's find where we are. Sean fished out his phone. He didn't take a screenshot, but it would be on the website. Except his phone said no service. Gary tried his phone and got the same result. A glow ways off in the cornfield caught their attention and they wandered toward it. A few minutes later, they were standing in front of a steaming rock glowing in the middle of an impact crater. It glowed green, throbbing like it was alive. Was this that shooting star Sean saw? The corn around them rustled, but nobody was there. No patrons and no scarers. It was the corn itself. It was moving. It was creeping closer toward them. Run! Gary screamed. And they tried to escape, but the corn tripped them up and they each tumbled onto the dusty ground. Dozens of corn stalks merged toward them, reaching out with their green husks. One grabbed at Gary's phone, pulling it from his hand. The boys were scared now, truly scared. This wasn't a roller coaster in summer. This wasn't a corn scarer in fall. This was real. The green glow from that rock, that meteorite, was causing this. The corn was alive. Sean rose and helped Gary up, breaking away from the grasps of the plants. And they ran. But the corn all around them came to life and moved them in one way and then another. The boys spied an avenue that might lead to an exit. Would they escape in time before the alien-possessed corn swallowed them up? Hello, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host once again. In case you forgot, and how could you? I'm the keeper of those weird and scary tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is the next episode of my Chilling Tales series, where we'll further explore the peculiar, the unusual, and the downright eerie. So get ready to get soaked, Story Club members. This fantastic wish-filled tale is one I call Wishwash. 
Ryan made a wish when he found a lucky rabbit's foot keychain in the school parking lot. He wished that all of his wishes would come true, rubbing it as he closed his eyes. And guess what? He woke up one morning and it happened. Don't ask him how, but it did. Was there something to this lucky rabbit foot superstition? Was it some kind of magic? It was January, snow blowing cold outside. It was early Monday morning and he had to get up for school. He grabbed the rabbit's foot off of his nightstand, laid in bed, and closed his eyes. I wish I didn't have to go to school today, Ryan thought, rubbing the lucky foot. Then he sighed and started to climb out of bed. His mom came into the room. Guess what, sleepyhead? You can go back to bed if you want. They just announced on the radio that classes are canceled today. Wow, Ryan thought. Did I make that happen? Nah, it was just a coincidence. But just to try it, he gazed over at his action figure of Dak Prescott, his favorite football player for the Dallas Cowboys. One day, he and his best friend, Scott, were throwing a football around in his room and knocked the famous quarterback figure onto the floor. His arm and leg broke off. Ryan's dad fixed it with Gorilla Glue, but globs of dried glue spilled out from Prescott's arm and leg joints. It didn't look very good. I wish I had never broken that figure, Ryan said, his eyes closed, rubbing the lucky foot. When he opened them, the statue looked brand new. No way. He peered out at the snow. It was really piling up on the windowsill, and his mom's car was buried under a white drift. Ryan's favorite season was summer. No school, no homework. Just fun with friends for three months. Why not try it? He closed his eyes again and rubbed the foot. I wish it was July instead of January. When he opened his eyes again, the snow was gone. The grass was green, the trees filled with leaves, birds happily singing, and a golden sun shone in the deep blue sky. This is too much, Ryan thought. No school and it's summer, and all I have to do is wish for it. So he rubbed the foot and wished that he and his best friends, Scott and Lynn, were at the city pool, but it was a private party. The next thing he realized, Scott and Lynn were at the city pool with him. And they had the entire place to themselves. No crowds of bodies pushing and shoving. No lifeguards policing them with whistles. They splashed around in the water, dove off the diving boards into the deep end, slid down the water slides. It was so much fun. He didn't ask his friends if anything strange happened. Like were they suddenly in their rooms and then in the next moment they were at the pool like he was. No, he didn't ask that, because he was afraid that if he did, whatever magic had happened would change. Nope, it was just better to go with it. Man, I'm starved, Scott said after they'd spent a couple of hours splashing around. Me too, Lynn said. I probably should go home and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. I'm feeling lightheaded. Ryan closed his eyes and made another wish. He wished that there was a huge buffet laid out on the deck of the swimming pool. Cakes and candies, hot dogs and hamburgers, french fries and onion rings, pizza and tacos, milkshakes and lemonade and soda, all of it. When he peered over at the edge of the water, a huge table with a bountiful buffet was laid out. Wow, he didn't need the rabbit foot anymore. He did it without rubbing it. Incredible. Why settle for peanut butter and jelly, he said. Why don't we eat like kings and queens instead? He motioned over to the table. Scott and Lynn were speechless. 
When did all of this happen? Scott asked. Ryan shrugged his tanned shoulders. I'm just lucky, I guess. They indeed ate like royalty. Scott and Lynn laid out on their beach loungers, stuffed to the gills. Ryan didn't eat as much. He decided to work on his dives. He was always scared of the high dive board, but today, he could be an Olympic-level diver if he wanted to. And yep, you guessed it, he wished for just that. He did all the dives he'd seen on TV. They came to him naturally as if he'd practiced them each a thousand times. Scott and Lynn watched him, clapping and astounded at this new and unique talent their friend had. After about the 20th dive, Ryan was swimming toward the ladder in the deep end. Scott rose up from his chair and said, Just watch out for the big bad shark. The image of a massive great white shark sprang into Ryan's mind. Why wouldn't it? He and Scott had watched a movie a few days ago about a massive shark that was eating people up like there was no tomorrow. The movie had kind of freaked Ryan out, but he had briefly forgotten about it after this whole phenomenon of wish-granting happened. He didn't wish for a shark, but somehow, him thinking about it caused a massive gray dorsal fin to break the surface of the water. It knifed after him. He was cut off from the ladder, and so he swam frantically. Scott and Lynn rose up from their chairs and screamed, yelling for him to swim for it. I unwished the shark, I unwished the shark, Ryan thought. The massive beast, shaped like a torpedo and with gigantic snapping jaws, was coming right for him. Why didn't his unwish work? Ryan swam out of breath, but he screamed out loud, swallowing water and choking. I wish there was no shark. I'm not sure if Ryan made it or not. Maybe his wishes ran out. Probably not wise to spend all those wishes on such useless things. You never know when you might need those wishes to escape a shark attack. Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello once again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most and curator of those strange and often scary tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. So get your game on, Story Club members. This story, which will give you a dose of virtual reality, is a tale I call Stay Alive from the Dead. Ricky Lane was a game master. He downloaded and played video games all day long. Well, after school anyway. During the summer, though, he could spend all day doing it. His father, Rick Sr., told his son that games aren't reality. They won't amount to anything. You're only wasting your time on virtually nothing. Ricky ignored his dad. He was always saying stuff like that. 
Ricky loved totally immersive virtual reality gaming. And as he was going through the game possibilities, there was a brand new one that struck him called Stay Alive from the Dead. It was a zombie slaying game. In addition to playing video games, Ricky loved all the movies and TV shows that were undead related. He liked seeing how the characters survived in those impossibly dystopian worlds. Ricky downloaded the game and played it. He liked Stay Alive from the Dead because it superimposed unreality onto his own reality. As he wore the headset, he had to fight off a zombie horde that attempted to attack his house. The only thing that Ricky had to defend himself was a super soaker water rifle armed with a gallon of special tonic called Dead Be Gone. The stuff looked like lime-flavored Gatorade. In the game, as he blasted zombies with the stuff, he'd have to find locations where he could recharge his super soaker with the slimy green liquid. These zombies wouldn't stop, and they were fast. Some would even climb on the walls and ceilings like spiders and come after him. They were gray-skinned, and most were bald, with red eyes and mouthfuls of yellow teeth that would mindlessly chomp, chomp, chomp at him. With the blast of the green liquid, a zombie would stop, shrivel up, and turn into a single gold coin. With amassed gold coins, Ricky could buy more zombie begone tonic or even stronger super soakers and armor. Stay Alive from the Dead was the greatest, most realistic game he'd ever played. Ricky felt like his entire life was in training up to this moment. His dad, of course, was concerned about Ricky. The only exercise he got was playing that game, and the only human interaction he got was by melting zombies, which was no interaction at all. At night, while Ricky slept, he kept dreaming about the game. It took over what little life he had, and as he played it, the zombies seemed to become more real in the game. At first, the graphics weren't as good. He could tell they were virtually created zombies with obvious artificial skin and teeth that were computer generated. But he noticed that the higher levels into the game he got, the more realistic the gameplay was. And it was also getting harder. His gold coins didn't stretch as far. Zombie Begone Tonic was getting more and more expensive and harder to find. Apparently, there was unbridled inflation in this dystopian world of Stay Alive from the Dead. Who knew? And then one day, Ricky needed to take a break to have dinner with his family. Ricky's dad had decided they needed more family time, and so dinner time was an absolute must. Ricky's alarm on his phone went off. Six o'clock. Time to put the game on pause, wash up, and head downstairs. He was hungry anyway. And he actually kind of missed his mom and dad and even little sister Violet, even though she could be kind of a brat. The problem was, the VR headset would not come off. Ricky tried and tried to remove it, but he failed. And he also couldn't pause the game. As he fought to get the headset off, he was also fighting off zombies that were climbing through his windows and coming through his door. Oh no. After he blasted an escape path through the hordes of the mindless gray monsters, Ricky ran downstairs. The entire house was infested with the things. They were worse than cockroaches. He blasted them with the zombie begone, quickly reloading and blasting them more, melting them off the stairwell as he scrambled down. In the kitchen where he expected to find his parents and little sister, the dinner table was overturned and everything was on the floor. Had the zombies gotten his family? Were they these mindless things now too? Would he have to fight them now? No, this was just a game like his dad had said. It wasn't reality. Hearing a whimpering from behind the pantry door, 
He opened it, Super Soaker at the ready, expecting more of the dead to attack him. No, it was his dad, mom, and little sister Violet. They were hiding from the invading game zombies. You can see them too? He asked his family. Of course we can see them, his mother said. They're everywhere. His father had to admit that he was wrong. It looks like your game playing did amount to something. You'll save us, son. Ricky nodded in agreement. Stay behind me. Then he turned to help his sister Violet. I could use some help. Violet nodded. So Ricky pulled up another super soaker from his arsenal and gave it to his sister. She cocked the massive water rifle full of green zombie melting fluid. Let's do this, big bro, she said. So this strange tale begs the question, is all this happening because of Ricky's game? Or is it only Ricky's game and he's somehow trapped inside his obsession? I don't even want to contemplate the answer. But I do know that they'll probably have to get takeout for dinner after Ricky and Violet blast a couple dozen of the undead with Zombie Be Gone. They're gonna be really hungry like their Walking Dead counterparts. Did you know there are a whole bunch of Go Kid Go shows? Of course, there's the R.L. Stein Story Club, and you're a member. There's also Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila. And Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein Story Club wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way. Come back tomorrow for another episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! probably think you know fairy tales. Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood, you probably think that they're cute and boring. But the real stories aren't cute and boring at all. The grim fairy tales were weird and sometimes gross and often scary. And in the podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, you can listen along with a group of other kids as I tell them those tales. The episodes are sometimes grim, Sometimes grimmer, and sometimes grimmest. But no matter how creepy it gets, we'll always have a great time guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and discussing what these tales mean to us. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.